Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Darian Ibrahim, professor of law at the College of William & Mary. We'll be discussing his paper, Angels and Devils, the Early Crypto Entrepreneurs. I'll link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Darian, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thanks, Andrew. So great to be here. Darian, before we get to this paper, I think it's important to maybe talk about some of your prior work that this paper builds on. Your prior work focusing on angel investing as you frame it as for-profit philanthropy. Could you talk about that work a little bit and, and set up some of the implications it might have for this new work on angels and devils in the context of early crypto entrepreneurs? Sure. So to frame it a little bit, one of my earliest papers was called The Not-So-Puzzling Behavior of Angel Investors. And I think it's my most cited paper. Like It's the one that really helped me along the way in my career. And what I identified about angel investors there is, first of all, who they were, right? They're individuals who invested their own money in startups, usually ex-entrepreneurs, usually very wealthy, want to give back to the community. And so there were Ways that they structured their investments in these high risk, early stage startups that were unique. They behaved rationally from both a financial perspective in terms of attracting venture capitalists to follow them and in terms of what I call for profit philanthropy. This is a term that others have used in different ways, but I used it to really describe this combination of investing to make money, but also giving back. And I believe that's what angel investors have done for a very long time is they've engaged in this for-profit philanthropy. And it's been an important part of the entrepreneurial ecosystem and entrepreneurial finance. And what's happened over the last decade, unfortunately, is that's being lost a little bit. I believe that angels used to operate either individually or small groups. They were very hands-on. They'd contribute capital, but they'd also contribute value-added services. They were interested in the startup, but in growing the ecosphere generally and continuing to give back to the entrepreneurial communities that made them wealthy. And it led to a lot of good feelings with entrepreneurs, et cetera. But as the decade is gone, market factors and legal factors have sent angels into the realm of venture capitalists, where it's mostly about the angels that invest are now investing online a lot. They're in syndicates and it becomes more of a passive investment than a hands-on active investment, which is where the for-profit philanthropy lay. I've noticed that getting squeezed out of angel investing. I think it's lost its unique character. And leading probably to your next question is, I think it's reappearing in crypto. This investment idea of making money, but doing more as well. So you were anticipating my next question, which is in this paper, you say that you see a similar dynamic at play in the crypto space, which is now entering into its second decade or is well into its second decade, but still feels like a fairly novel space. Can you tell us about what you're seeing in terms of angels in the crypto space for profit philanthropy in the crypto space? Just 
who are the crypto angels and how do they compare to what might have been referred to as the, that prior generation of internet angels? Absolutely. So it's a bit different in that the internet angels, they'd put in $100,000, they'd hands-on with the startup, sit on the board, et cetera. Crypto angels are, they're really entrepreneurs, right? I'm talking about Satoshi Nakamoto, who created Bitcoin. I'm talking about Vitalik Buterin with Ethereum. Like this idea of we're going to build something, it might make us rich, but we're also going to think about the bigger picture of the blockchain, about technology like this in general and how we grow this ecosphere. And so like I look at Satoshi and I look at the things he did, he's anonymous, he or she or whoever it is, they anonymous, no one knows who it is, right? It wasn't about the person, it was about the creation, it was about making something that's potentially useful for the world that others could build on. When you get to Vitalik, he acts like an angel too, and that it's more than just about the money. At least when he created Ethereum, there was a big discussion about whether or not it should be a for-profit entity like Google or like a Mozilla type approach, which was not for profit. And Vitalik actually, it's, there's a book by Laura Shin called something about Ethereum. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it goes through this and it relays those early decision points where Vitalik had to say and put his foot down, this is not going to be a for-profit entity. And to me, those type actions by those two early crypto entrepreneurs, the biggest, the most well-known, the two biggest blockchains, et cetera, that to me looks like the for-profit philanthropy that angels were doing before. And now it's just been adopted by this new group of crypto angels. The existence of angels in some ways implies the existence of devils as well. And you talk about this category of crypto devils in addition to the crypto angels. Who are the crypto devils? How do they differ from the angels? And maybe what are some of the consequences of their sins? And I asked this question in the aftermath of the FTX meltdown and some of the other meltdowns in the crypto space that we saw in the summer. So could you maybe talk a little bit about the role or the place of crypto devils in this ecosystem? Sure. And while it was initially intended to be a paper on angels, I find the devils, like you say, with all that's happened in 2022 are just as an important part of the story as the angels. Because unlike traditional angel investing, where I think we looked at the positives and things that we're finding a lot of the negatives in crypto. And you mentioned FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. That whole blow up happened right before I put this paper on SSRN. I frantically revised, added it, fit right in because it's exactly what I was talking about with crypto devils. They're the opposite of angels, right? It's very hard to define them. I go through some intellectual moves in the paper, but we're looking at people who aren't adding to the ecosystem, who are basically grifting off of it. Grifting is probably too nice a word for what SBF and some others have done. We had Do Kwan with Terra Luna, which might have started the whole thing, by the way. But we're seeing that personalities, the people are playing a big role in this space. And while when we get to the legal questions, it's about the how we test, et cetera, how we're going to regulate. But I think fits nicely that we're seeing both the angels and the devils play a role in this ecosphere. And 
The devil's like FTX. Maybe they started out trying to run a scam. For example, I mentioned this one coin out of Bulgaria, which was sold with multi-level marketing, which is the same way they sell Tupperware, right? It's like a Ponzi scheme. There was no functioning blockchain. That's clearly a crypto devil who needs to be treated differently in terms of regulation than a Satoshi does. I think the FTX thing is very interesting because not enough is known about whether Sam Bankman-Fried actually started as a crypto angel. A lot of people held him up in that regard before all this happened. And now he looks like a fallen angel if his intentions were pure and he got lost along the way. A fallen angel is basically a devil, so they end up in the same place. There is a bit of a timing problem with all of this that we can get into when we get into the Howey test. Let's maybe touch on the Howey test. And in this paper, you tackle probably one of the most difficult legal questions when it comes to crypto, which is how should they be regulated? Are they commodities? Are they securities? Are they both? Are they neither? Particularly, are they securities is a kind of hot button question. So you reframe question crypto regulation in the frame of angels and devils. You reframe the question about commodities versus securities regulation of crypto. And you say, hey, the angelic crypto entrepreneurs, they're engaged in the commodities business. And the devilish crypto entrepreneurs, they're engaged in the securities business. Could you Tell me more about that framing. Do you lay that out for the listeners and discuss some of the normative implications of that framing? How to regulate, like you said, it's an extremely hard question. Are they securities? Are they commodities? What's the regulation going to look like? Just to not to digress into too many of my other papers, but I do have one that just came out in the Hastings Law Journal that's called a tokenized future. And it actually says whether they're securities or commodities, we should do a warning box, which is brief targeted disclosure. In this paper, I said, let's look at it another way even and get back to that fundamental hard question about whether these things are securities or not. Now, if you go down the list of them, we could rational minds could disagree. I think people do think Bitcoin isn't a security. Others may be. And the Howey test is how we figure that out. And the Howey test says, was there an investment of money in a common enterprise where there was an expectation of profits from the efforts of others? And those prongs three and four are really tricky when it comes to crypto. Prong three has often been framed as were the investors expecting profits? And to me, as I argue in the paper, that's the wrong formulation, right? And you find this kind you find in the SEC's digital assets release. They want it to be expectation of profits. And I think they just conflates prongs one and three and doesn't add anything new to the inquiry. So what I say for prong three is sometimes you'll see it were the investors led to expect profits. And the leading is where you get into the crypto angels and the crypto devils because angels don't pump and dump their product. They don't say, we're the next great thing. Put all your money with us, buy this token. It's more like, here it is. Like I'm Satoshi, here it is. If people think it's useful, they'll buy Bitcoin. If not, they won't. Whereas when you get to FTX, when you get to Terra Luna, when you get to these other things, these library, SEC versus LBRY just came out. And these crypto devils, are making promotional type statements. They're saying, you're going to get rich off this. And that, I think, is leading. And so for my distinction, if we focus on angels and devils, 
we're asking in prong three, was there a leading of investors to expect profits? And that depends on a promoter doing bad, devilish things. So that's how I'd reframe prong three to get the angels devils distinction in there. And I think it gives you a better, more accurate answer because devils, the SEC should come down on them. Whereas angels, I believe they should let alone to let this kind of innovation that's the right kind of blockchain innovation go forward. I understand that there's some folks at the SEC who listen to this podcast, and maybe there's some folks at the CFTC as well who listen. If I'm in either of those agencies, whether I'm a staff member or commissioner, how should I react to this paper and this idea that I am regulating either an angelic crypto asset class or a devilish asset class? And how does this idea or framing that you offer clarify my investor protection mandate if I'm in one of those agencies? It's a great question. And I think we could talk about this paper. We talk about the previous paper, like the previous paper says, it doesn't really matter who the regulator is. Let's get the right regulation. I still believe that, but we do have this turf war going on between the CFTC and the SEC and the SEC wants to come in and lay a heavy hand over all this and say it's all securities. But to me, that doesn't really work because if they're securities, like they can't be sold as they're being sold without 33 and 34 at compliance, at least 33 at compliance. And that seems really hard to do in this context. How do you do a prospectus for a crypto asset? And who is supposed to do the prospectus? So to me, it's almost, if we're calling it a security, we're shutting it down. If the SEC and SEC lawyers listening to this really want to put a stop to the SBS of the world, like if they focus on angels and devils and they focus on promotion, leading someone to expect profits, if they look at prong four and they say, was the investor's profit dependent on the efforts of others, is the blockchain decentralized or not? And if it's become decentralized and if there's no promotion, I think we have a CFTC type issue where light touch regulation, those cryptos go forward as commodities. Whereas if it's an SEC problem because we have a devil, I believe, you know, those people probably the devils are going to have issued their token. And I believe the SEC can go after them, right? For enforcement, for non-compliance with the 33 Act. And so to me, what I'm trying to do and to help the regulators a little bit is to say, if we are going to have this distinction, we're not going to have one new digital assets regulator. It's not going to all be SEC. It's not going to all be CFTC. How do we decide which is which? And that's a framework for interpreting Howie. And I talk about in there that we could change it a little bit. There are proposals to change Howie. Both of those, from SEC commissioner, from William Hinman, who used to be in the Division of Corporate Finance and came up with the Hinman paradox, which talks about how cryptos change over time and might be securities at one time, but not another. Like these things, like if you look at their proposals, they are asking exactly what I'm asking about angels and devils. And for example, Hester Peirce's proposal says there should be a three-year grace period to allow a blockchain to become decentralized. We can see a lot in that three-year period regarding prong four and prong three. So I believe, look at those proposals, but even under the Howey test we have, if we want to get analytical and precise about this is how I do it. 
What key takeaways would you like listeners to have from this interview and from this paper or perhaps your broader body of work that's tackling this issue? I'm a law and entrepreneurship guy, and I saw crypto as the next phase, the next iteration of this, even though traditional law and entrepreneurship, angels, VCs, tokenizing things that clearly are securities is something I'm going to look at in the future. But for now, my key takeaways are exactly as you said. This is a very hard question. A lot of people have wrestled with it. I wasn't the first, but I'm trying to put some intellectual rigor, a framework to it, we can more accurately analyze and come up with what we want to do. I do believe blockchain technology is important. I know some people don't think there are the use cases out there. I think it's got a lot to develop. And what I'd like to see is America, who is the leader in innovation, not chill all of this activity by saying everything is a security. Because if they do, no one, you're going to get an FTX situation. You're going to get them overseas in the Bahamas or wherever. And We're not going to regulate it at all, but it could have ripple effects to us. So I think we need to get some regulatory clarity. I'm not one of these true libertarians who think we shouldn't touch this at all. If it's going to be integrated into the financial system and a growing part of the economy, I think there has to be some safeguards for investors. But I believe what I'm suggesting is the way to do it. And what I fear from the SEC is that they're going to try and shut the whole thing down. And I don't think that's the right approach or keeping with American entrepreneurialism. Our guest today has been Darian Ibrahim, professor of law at the College of William & Mary. We've discussed his article, Angels and Devils, the Early Crypto Entrepreneurs. I'll add a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Darian, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you, Andrew. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, Please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. Andrew Jennings.